Okay, if you've got your Bible today, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Let's take a moment and pray before we begin here now. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I ask that each person today would get exactly what they need today so that they may be equipped, thoroughly furnished unto every good work and meet for the Master's use. Lord, ready to be used by you. Lord, thank you for helping us now. Thank you for utterance and a spirit of wisdom and revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, today I want to share a message with you. I had, I had prepared a new mini-series that I was intending to share with you today. And uh, then yesterday morning, getting ready for the evening service, just praying, I heard myself say a certain word and it registered with me on the inside when I said it and I knew that's the direction I'm supposed to go for now and so here we are and maybe we'll begin what I had planned next time <laughs> um, but for today that word was rest rest and so I want to talk to you about the rest of God all right and when I talk about rest I am not referring to a physical rest, although that could be a byproduct. I'm not saying sleep more, although some need to sleep more. <laughs> I mean, no, that's true. Uh, sometimes people who don't sleep enough have, they find themselves with all kinds of other problems in their life. And I certainly, certainly don't want you to practice physical rest right now. That would be a hindrance to what we're endeavoring to accomplish here today. And I might even throw something at you <laughs> in love. The type of rest I'm referring to is a type of rest where we cease from our own labors, where we cease relying upon our own willpower our own mental smartness and fortitude, our own physical uh, ability and giftedness, and we get to a place where we rely fully upon God's ability working in us and working through us. This is a place where every one of us need to be if we want to be used by Him, if we want to be a witness in a dark world, we've got to get beyond ourselves. There are limitations that every one of us have physically and mentally, emotionally, but there are no limitations when it comes to the Lord. And if we can uh, adjust the way we view and do the things that we do in life, we can tap into something much greater than ourselves, much beyond what we could ever accomplish in our natural self. Amen. And so we want to talk about rest. In this subject, what sometimes doesn't change is outward appearance. Many times you can have two different people doing the same thing, but one of them 
is at rest on the inside doing it. They are reliant upon something greater than themselves. And the other person is internally pulling their hair out. The other person is stressed and wearied and they've grown weak and they don't know how they're going to make it another day. But yet, you view them from the outside, you wouldn't know that there's two different insides happening. Just like in church, how many know you can have uh, uh, two different people who look the same, right? We're praising the Lord. We're praising Him. We're singing the songs. We're lifting our hand to the Lord in praise. But how many know there can be entirely something different going on inside of her than me? She could be totally in the flesh <laughs> while I am completely in the Spirit. Right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> but just like that's the case someone might look the same on the outside we go through many things in our lives in our jobs and anything that we feel like the Lord wants us to do you can have two people doing the same thing on the outside but the internal motivation is different but their internal reliance is different one person is wearing themselves and they'll come wearing themselves out and they'll come to an end they will reach the end of their ability. Trust me. You will reach the end of your ability. If you're doing anything good, you will reach the end. But the person who has a different um, approach, they can go, they're like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> they keep going and going, and people say, How do you do it? What's happening? They are dependent upon and relying upon the Lord for what they're doing. Amen. I know. Well, let's read our scripture. A lot of things I want to say. In chapter 4, we're connecting to chapter 3. All right. Same subject being brought out. And what the subject is here, the illustration that the writer is using, he's talking about Israel and how when they came out of Egypt as slaves, going on their way to the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. That was a trip that should have taken a couple weeks because they were on foot. But instead it took 40 years. All right. And uh, the whole generation that came out of Egypt, they didn't make it in except for, of course, Joshua and Caleb. And, uh, and they, Caleb, not Michaleb. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, but their, their kids came in into that place and... The reason they were not able to go in was simply because God said one thing and they said something else. God said, you can do it. I've given it to you. This is your land. Go up and possess it. They said, we can't. There was a, a, a president years and years ago who made this statement that said that the person who says he can and the person who says he can't, they're both right. And how many know if the Lord says one thing and you say another, you get what you say? not what the Lord says. And because of that, it was God's will for them to enter on into rest. But they had to strive and work and work, and they had to stay out in that place, a tough place, for year after year after year because they refused to believe. And the language used in, in Hebrews here, the last verse of the third chapter says, so we see that they could not enter in 
because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. What do we mean unbelief? This word unbelief also means, if you look it up, it means disobedience. And really, you put those things together and you can see what kind of unbelief this was. They refused to obey. They refused to believe what God said. They had a choice. But they said, no, we can't do it. I know, Lord, you said this, but this. There's giants. There's walled cities. We can't do it. And they refused to believe God. We have that same opportunity today. Well, the Lord says one thing, and it just doesn't look like it's going to work out. It just doesn't look like it's, it, it can be. And I want you to know, uh, that's not only unbelief, it's disobedience. Because they really go hand in hand. Just like when a person believes, that involves doing. In other words, our belief is supposed to motivate us to do, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so they couldn't get in. Unbelief produced for them no rest. Today it's the same thing. Unbelief, disobedience, is producing a lack of rest. Many are striving. Ah, they're just trying to make it work, trying to make things work out for them. But they can't because they won't enter into the rest the way God prescribed Look at, look at now chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Notice what's possible here. It's possible for believers to come short of God's rest. In case anyone thinks, well, I'm saved. I'm good. Everything's good to go from here on out. There's nothing else. No, it is possible for a believer to not live in the rest of God. To not be resting. He says in verse 2, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith, in those who heard it. Notice the gospel was preached to them. What's the gospel? The gospel is good news. The gospel is God's grace. It's the good news and message of God's grace that you can't do it, but He did it for you. And if you'd accept it, there you go. You're in. All right. The gospel of grace was preached to them. And, and that's something we really need to be reminded of again and again that God's grace is God's ability working on our behalf it's something we don't earn or deserve we get it for free but it's his empowerment enabling us to do what we can't do on our in ourselves say i just don't know if i can do this well good you're in a good position for god's grace to kick in and that's the only thing that can sustain us over time to continually be fruitful and successful in our lives all right we've got to be reliant upon his divine ability you know this that you know god would never ask you to do something that you were not able to do through his power but at the same time you know that god would ask you to do something that you were not able to do in yourself in fact he's famous for that he really likes to do it that way to put something before you that the 
only way you're going to get it done is to do it through His power, His grace, His anointing, His gifts, His ability. That way, when it's all wrapped up, you're not saying, see what I did? I pulled it off. The only thing we can say is, wow. Man, this was amazing. This was all God. Oh, it's so amazing what he, do, he does. He provided and He made it happen and He worked it. And I was just His obedient child, believing Him all the way, but He made it happen. That's the way He likes to do it. In fact, it, you know, if you repeatedly get you know, prompted to do something that you can do, you might want to stretch your thinking a little bit. Because I have a feeling God is saying to you more than you're hearing. Because He wants to go out beyond what you've conceived in your own mind and your own ability and your own power and strength. That's the way He operates. We're limited. He's not. But us relying upon His grace, this is the gospel, we become powerful people in the world today, operating in His power and glory, and He gets all the credit. Amen. How many know none of us are going to come sliding into heaven one day? Here I am. I did it. I pulled it off. I made it. It's going to be us sliding into heaven on our knees. Saying, thank God His grace is sufficient for me. Thank God I didn't deserve this, but I came in on His power, by His glory, by His might. And I'm going to be here forever giving Him praise. Giving Him honor and glory. That's when we know God's at work. Amen. Amen. I, I can remember... Years ago, I was uh, having a meeting, had a guest speaker in to minister to people. And it wasn't here in this, in this place. Uh, but we were getting ready for the service. And I was with this person. And it was just a short time before the service. And we were just kind of shooting the breeze, talking. And I'm kind of paying attention to the time. And just kind of wondering if... Because he seems to have no desire to get away, to get alone. And you kind of get focused and, and, you know, like, pray. <laughs> and I'm thinking, eh. And so finally I said something, you know, we're getting started here soon. I don't know if you want to <laughs> pray. <laughs> you know, get alone, get ready. And, and uh, you know, I'm not trying to push him around you know and I, I respected him and he was definitely anointed had a gift and had some good stuff but and I was saying that and he said oh he said bro I've been doing this for a long time and uh I just remember thinking uh, I don't really like that and I like him but I thought I don't really want to be that way where I think oh, I got it covered I've been doing this a long time. I know how to do this now. I know how to pull this off. I mean, pray, you know, I mean, that's good, but I know how to do this. I want to be reliant upon the Lord in everything. And watch out in what you do. Your job, family, you serve at the church or serve in other ministries. Watch out that you don't get to a place where you think, oh, I got this. I've been doing this a while now. I mean, I don't, need any, I don't need anything extra. I know how to do this. I'm comfortable. Well, yeah, but God can take you much further. Yes. Amen. And if we don't keep that perspective, you can get to a place where you're looking inward in the sense of your own self 
and you're just relying upon what you know. And that'll go downhill. You will run out of gas if that's what your dependence is, is upon. Okay? Now, to show you the other side, because it's possible for someone to go too far, and they think, it's all about my prayer life. Bless God, I pray. And that's why everything happens. Well, again, that can be self-focused as well. I remember hearing a story about a particular guy who had the opportunity to be with a minister in, in Africa, a minister who did these mass uh, meetings, you know, where there's sometimes a million people in one meeting. You've seen pictures, and it's just a sea of people, and they get saved and baptized in the Spirit by the hundreds of thousands. <laughs> wow. Wow. And anyway, he was with this minister, and it was a short time before the service, and he was noticing that uh, they were backstage somewhere, and the minister was just kind of kicking back, and uh, I think he dozed off, was falling asleep a little bit, and he was kind of troubled by that, and he kind of thought he ought to be walking the floor, you know, praying real hard and binding and rebuking and you know binding and loosing and casting down and uh, doing lots of stuff and when he said something to him about it you know we're we got to go we're going to start here in a little bit uh the minister said to him he said relax he said it's not all riding on us and that's also an attitude that we need to have not that the band pro didn't pray. I bet he prayed lots and stuff. But he came in with the attitude. And it's not like, man, I've just got to get everything done in prayer and do it all perfect. Otherwise, this thing's going to fall. Man, where's the grace of God in that? Where's God's ability? Where's God's power? Where's His anointing that we're relying upon? I know firsthand experience so many times when I've felt like, man, I just don't feel up to task. I don't feel like I'm ready to hit a home run here. And I say, I come in sliding in, Lord, thank you for your ability working in me. There's an anointing here, and I can't be fully ready in that regard anyway. I'm never going to get up to that place. And I've, I've, I can tell you stories about, man, God's power just moving mightily and tremendously. And I recognize very clearly this was beyond me. It was beyond my preparation and my study. And, and e even just a week ago when we got back from, from uh, man camp on Saturday afternoon and just a few hours later had a service, I was feeling the tiredness from staying up too late and, and doing all the busyness. And I thought, ah, whose idea was this Saturday service? <laughs> oh, that was mine. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, were good. I didn't have as much prep time as I would have liked to had, and been rested as like as I would have liked to have had. But I came in there, just saying, "Lord, here we go. You're, I'm, I'm going to be anointed in there. Your spirit's going to be upon me." And we had a service. I'm telling you, I walked out of there thinking, <clears throat> "Yeah, that was it." And then an hour later, I went, "Oh," because the anointing lifted off of me, and I felt just exhausted and tired but we've got to be in the place no matter what we do because i can use illustrations about preaching because that's what i do but uh, no matter what we do where we see ourselves dependent upon his ability working in us again now this doesn't always look different on the outside but there is a big big internal difference 
All right, here, where, where are we? We were still in verse 2. Notice the word didn't profit them. Is it possible the word not profit you today? Possible. Possible. Don't be in that camp. You go out of church, got up, got all fixed up, took a shower, brushed your teeth, smelled good, getting ready, and get nothing. What a waste. Got nothing out of church. Well, you've got to mix faith with the word. It didn't profit them because they didn't mix faith with it. Well, how do I mix faith with it? Has to do with, again, remember, obedience and disobedience and unbelief. Mixing faith with what we hear has to do with, I'm getting something to move on. I'm getting something that I believe I can act on. Independent of what I see and feel, I believe that I'll take a step in God's power will enable me to do this. You know this, that the Lord never gives a word without that word containing the power, the ability, the faith to carry it out. How many know faith rides His word? Faith comes by hearing the word. Every time we hear a directive from God, do this, go here, act like this, say this, think this way, if we receive that word by faith, then we are immediately infused with His ability to carry it out. If I just... Just take a passive approach. Listen, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I heard that. I understand that. We get no impartation. Impartation of His power and ability. Of the ability to believe unto the manifestation of that. Okay? And so, verse 3, we who have believed do enter that, what? Rest. How do you get into rest? By believing. A person who believes enters rest. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest rest. I want you to notice the terminology, the language used. Of course, he's talking about Israel coming into the promised land, into land of plenty and abundance. He's using the Sabbath day of the Old Covenant to represent something here. You remember in the creation, God created in six days and then rested. And then it was established in the law. And they were required on the seventh day or Saturday, uh, as we call it, they were required to rest. They could do no work, none at all. It wasn't about they just went to church on Saturday or, you know, go to the temple or something. Uh, But they absolutely could not do any work whatsoever. All right, very strict. And if you look at all the laws concerning these things, there's a very strict rule about that Sabbath day. Here's what he's doing. And some some still have some still follow that kind of thinking today, where they think, well, God cares which day you go to church on. Well, that's not what he's talking about here at all. Do you know that? And even some who really try to implement this um, Old Testament Sabbath day, they don't do it right. I mean, they need to go back. If you're going to follow it, follow it to the T. Not about just going, just going to, to church. I mean, you've got to not wipe everything out and not do anything. Okay, anyway, don't want to get into that. But see what he's talking about here. He's painting a picture for us by using this Sabbath example to show us 
what we are to live today, how we are to live in a rest. When is the Sabbath day? It's not Saturday. It's not Sunday. Some say in the New Testament they switched the Sabbath day to Sunday. No, they didn't. No, that's a type or a shadow, and we live in the fulfillment of that, that we have ceased from our own labors, and now every single day is a day of rest. But our rest is not talking about you don't go to work, not talking about you don't take care of the house and and, and do those kind of things. This rest is a different kind, where we've ceased from our own struggling and striving to please God and do everything right to be accepted. we, We leave that performance mentality, and we get into a place where we say, He did the work, and I'm resting in that. There's nothing I can do to add to it. Nothing I can do to take away from it. I am resting in the finished work of the cross. Amen. We need to be reminded of that, about that every, you know, every couple you know, hours or so. <laughs> because people have a tendency to get back into a works mentality. And not that works are bad. Works are good, but they have to be in the right place. How many know that? They, they follow faith. They don't precede it. But many people start to get into a mentality again where they think, I'm not good enough. God doesn't accept me. I need to do this to be a better Christian. And I need to act this way to, uh, so I can receive God's blessing. Especially if things aren't working right. They think, oh, I've got to do more. And they're undermining the very truth that is being presented here. That we get into a place where we rest. And it's not about what we do. It's about knowing fully and being persuaded of what He has done. And now we're just riding in. And we know we're all riding the coattails of Jesus, sliding in on His work, on His goodness, on His holiness, on His perfection. And it's not about us. We just received the Holy One. We received the Good One, the Righteous One, and now it's been credited to our account. Thank God. Thank God for that. All right. So, what verse are we in? Six. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of what? Disobedience. Just like the other time he said they didn't get in because of unbelief. These things go hand in hand. Again, he designates on a certain day saying in David today after such a long time as it has been said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. There still remains a rest for us. For he who has entered His rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. How can I get into this place? The scripture says here that we cease from our own works. The scripture also said here that we enter, uh, we do enter that rest when we believe. We're believing instead of working. We're believing instead of working. This will give some a major brain glitch. Because they think they have to do something. I've got to figure this out. I've got to find out what I need to do. No, we believe instead of work. I didn't say we believe instead of doing anything. 
sometimes the doing of something is in the middle of rest because God directed it. He said, do this, and we do that, but you can see how he's contrasting here. We have ceased from our own works, and we enter his rest. I don't know if this is coming out just right. It'll keep coming out. Let's go on to verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. What do we need to do? Is there anything we need to do? He said, be diligent to enter that rest. Now, writing to believers, this is something we all need to hear. If we have not yet been diligent to enter that rest, then we're not there. It is possible to be saved and not be living in the rest of God. But there's something we must do. In fact, this can be confusing to some when you read translations like the King James and it says, let us therefore labor to enter into the rest. And you think, eh, which one? Am I to labor or am I to rest? You mean like work to rest? Well, yeah. We're diligent to get to the place where we rest. But what kind of diligence do we need to put forward here? It is not a striving in the flesh to get to that place. In fact, listen, listen, laboring is not what brings change or victory to your life. It is what gets you into the rest. Many people strive and work to get victory. They will only get as much as their tenacity and willpower are able to provide. Jesus spoke of salvation in a way that I want us to look at. John chapter 3. And this should help us to understand this. John chapter 3. And verse 15, 3.15, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. How do I get eternal life? He said, believe in him. That sounds really, really easy. Doesn't that sound really easy to you? I mean, I'm thinking, this is it. We've got it made. I can get life eternal simply by believing. Nice. I mean, that's about as easy as you can get. That's about the easiest thing in the world. But let me show you another scripture. Another scripture over here in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. And let's read... 13 and 14, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Notice what he said, difficult is the way. Now, he just got done saying in John chapter 3, just believe, and you're in. 
Can't think of anything more easy, more simple than that. But yet he himself said of salvation and the way of life, it's hard. It's narrow and it's difficult and not a whole lot of people get in. Not a whole lot of people get through there. Everyone goes the wide way because it's easy. But it's difficult to get into heaven. So which is it? Is it easy or is it difficult? Let me ask you this. Is it easy to rest or difficult to rest? Just like naturally speaking, some people, I'm usually this way. When I go to bed at night, see ya. (laughs) Most of the time, I'm gone. (laughs) But some people have a difficult time getting to rest. Same thing's true spiritually. Sometimes people, they have learned how this works, and they rest quickly and easily in God. And other people, they're not there. And so they got to work on it. And they're struggling to get to that place where they're at rest in what God has provided. Why is it difficult? It's not difficult for God. It's not really even difficult for us in this sense. Jesus did the dying. He did the suffering. He took the sin so we can slide on in. But what is difficult is a person changing their way of thinking. Is a person giving up their old views and opinions and ideas and getting to the place where at a heart level they're different. And they believe. But as soon as they can change their thinking about Jesus and about salvation. How many know if people have a whole lot of opinions about that? And a lot of it has to do with, I'm a good person. You know, even in our area, a number of years ago, a group did a, did a study, did a survey. They sampled 400 and some people, if I have the numbers right. And they found the huge, vast percentage up in the 80s of people, when they asked about going to heaven and what it takes to go to heaven, I don't remember the exact question, but people answered, it's about me. It's about doing good things. I've got to do good things. If I'm a good enough person, then I think I'll get into heaven. How many know that's opposite of the Bible? Why is it so hard to get into life? Because people have a difficult time changing their way of thinking and their opinion and their ideas, what they hold so dear. But the moment they do, piece of cake. The moment they change their view, oh, this is easy. I just believe and I accept and it's done. I don't have to do anything. I'm not working on this. I'm not striving to get right with God. I'm not giving it all kinds of effort. I just accept that He's right. And I acknowledge Him in all my ways. And I'm in. I'm in. And so what needs to happen for us to enter into this rest? It has to do with a change in our hearts. It has to do with um, being established convinced or persuaded internally and this is something that can take a little bit of time there's no laying on a hand service bam 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 and everyone's in the rest even if a great manifestation of God's peace comes upon you and you feel yeah I'm there you'll get up and strive about something 
you'll get up and find you and find your way to get back into your mentality which says I've got to make it happen I've got to work for this I've got to somehow use my mental skills and just and just manipulate this thing and make it happen and you'll get back into that works mentality where God's power is not freely flowing because we're resting Romans chapter 14. Most of us, I think, are resting concerning our eternal salvation. There may be some that are not, but that's not an area that I struggle in, ever. I don't wake up and think, oh, I'm not saved. i got to get born again, again. I don't feel like each day or if I do something wrong, <gasps> I'm lost. All of a sudden, I'm afraid of hell. No, I am beyond that. I am living in the rest of God concerning my salvation. And many of you are likewise in that exact same spot. You're not struggling with that one iota, right? But oftentimes, there are other areas of our lives where we're absolutely not resting. Hmm. going back and forth from opinion to opinion and we're trying to make things happen we get in the flesh not in faith and we're trying to make stuff happen we are not resting in the finished work of the cross Abraham became fully persuaded in his heart when he was, God gave him a promise about being the father of many nations and it took him a while it took him a while to get there and sometimes it does take a while to change our opinions and our heart level beliefs so that we can enter into the rest. We have to be diligent though in the meantime. We're doing that right now, but again, like I started to say, it's not really a quick fix and everything is just, okay, I'm there now. I turned the switch, went to church and I'm good. These things take time and uh, listen, you have to be ready and willing to apply certain principles to your heart over and over again over and over again and over time you'll get into a place where man this is easy his burden is light his yoke is easy i just like this man god is just coming through to me i change without heart even trying i overcome temptation and habits and struggles and difficulties without hardly even thinking about it i receive healing so easy it's just it's almost like it's free It's almost like I don't have to earn it anymore. It's almost like I don't have to pay for it with my good works. Exactly. But again, sometimes it takes a little while to labor or be diligent to get to that place. And if we'll stay on it, it is worth all the effort. It is worth all the time spent in the Word, in, the, in church, listening to CDs, binding and rebuking. It's worth all the authority that we have to exercise and use every tool that's out there to establish our hearts in this place. Amen. But it's like, you know, sometimes when people think, that could take me like a year. <laughs> but a year is going to happen. No matter what you do, you'll be the same if you don't do anything. Or you'll be a year down the road resting in Him more than ever before. 
you know, like a person wants to lose weight and get in shape. Sometimes the big discouragement is how long it's going to take, right? Because you know, you know, if you do that thing where you don't eat any this or that, you know, cut out the carbs or cut out the fat or something, and you do all, get real extreme, and the weight just starts falling off, and think, this is great, and it happens really quick, and then a month later, you're double what you were, or maybe that, <laughs> you've gone further than, because how many know it comes back <laughs> like a storm, <laughs> but if a person does things which most of us understand to be more workable is do it slow, you know, pound a week, a couple pounds a week. Uh, they'll say, you know, it's easy to maintain that. You maintain that lifestyle and you can stay in shape. But again, the problem is people think, well, if I do that, I mean, it's going to take me like six months or it's going to take me like a year or longer, depending on what they want, what their goal is, what they want to accomplish. But again, next year you're going to be here. (laughs) Fat or skinny? (laughs) Amen. I don't care if you're fat or skinny. I'm just talking about for your own self. I'm just talking about we have to be willing. Some things take time. And this is one of them. But it's worth every effort to get yourself into that place where you can easily rest in the Lord's provision and what He has promised. And again, we do it with our eternal salvation, but we need to do it with everything He's provided, everything He's promised enter into the rest you get to a place where you believe where are you at that's a good place to be (laughs) Romans chapter 14 Um, let me come over there to Romans with you Romans 14 you can see in the context here he was talking about the first part of the chapter uh, what people eat he said you know people who um Some people say you can eat anything. Others who are weak say you can only eat vegetables. And he said, don't despise one or the other. Verse verse 5 is what we want. He said, uh, you also use this example. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. And he didn't go on to say, now this is the truth. This is the way you need to be. I mean, obviously, most of us, we're in that latter category. We see from Hebrews and other scriptures it doesn't really matter. It's not a religious system. Every day is alike. Let's just serve God and walk by faith every single day. But he listen to what he said here. He said, let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Say, so how should I be? Well, th- that might be important, but here's what's more important. Be convinced. Be fully convinced in your own mind. We cannot live in the rest if we are not fully convinced in our mind about what we do. If a person, for example, needs divine healing in their body and they stand on the Word, make their confession of faith and say, I've got it, by His stripes I am healed, but they don't see an immediate change, what happens sometimes is they know, well, Uncle Joe, he says, oh, that's a bunch of baloney anyway. Oh, that's a bunch of hype, that healing stuff, that's not real. But if they're not convinced in their own mind and established in that truth, they're going to waver. They're going to go back and forth and in and out, not, and they're not going to be able to rest in that truth or that principle. That's why being convinced ahead of time allows us to enter into the rest, and someone else may say something contrary, but 
man, I'm sleeping to that. (laughs) Man, I'm not hearing that. That's not affecting me at all. But that can only be the case if we're first convinced. We are first totally and completely established in what we believe. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, Paul wrote this to Timothy, "For, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. He said, I know what I believe, and I am persuaded. What do you know that you believe? What are you persuaded about? And this is key. This changes everything. Again, a person might look the same on the outside. They might be doing the same things outwardly. But internally, one person is persuaded. One is convinced in his own mind. The other person has got a battle going on. And they are just trying to make it work. Two different people. Amen. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Let's uh, wrap things up. I want to skip some scriptures that you might see on the screen. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 9, 13, 9, notice what it says. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. That's a good word, good word to follow. Don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established in or by what? By grace. What's grace? God's divine ability. His power working in us, working through us, freely given to us, enabling us to do through Him, what we are not able to do by ourselves and on our own. If you think, man, I can't make it. I don't know if I can do this another day. Good, good news, by His grace, you can. Yes. His divine, divine power is limitless. Amen. The Apostle Paul said himself, His grace is sufficient for me. Some people don't understand that passage and they think God said no. <laughs> Whatever. God's grace is never a no. God's grace is a big fat honking yes. It's His power, it's His ability, and it's free. But it's important, and it's good here, that the heart be established by grace. This is a place where we've got to be established in His grace. The rest that we're talking about is not a passive problem, is not a passive response to problems. I'm not talking about, I just kick back, whatever will be, will be. God's going to do whatever God's going to do, and I'm just going to not stop striving. I'm just going to let it happen. That's not really the attitude we're talking about at all. Being at rest uh, is a proactive stance. That means you may see things happening or may see your lack of ability, but your proactive response to that is, I'm going to rest in Him, not ignoring problems, I'm resting knowing that the work is finished, what God has done is accomplished, and it's not all hinging upon me doing everything right. Have we figured out that God has never waited for people to get their act completely together? Jesus is the only sinless person to walk the earth. And God has used a whole bunch of people. And he has done miraculous things for a whole lot of people. And every single one of them, without exception, had shortcomings. 
And so if you have the mentality, I know this is not working just because I've, I've failed here. I'm not strong enough here in my Bible reading. I'm not strong enough here in this. I don't pray enough or I don't. Do, knock that off. I'm not saying don't pray and don't read your Bible. I can, we can teach a message and say how it will benefit you and how it's good and it's right. But to think that all my blessing and deliverance and healing and victory and God's provision in my life is all hinging upon that, that's just incorrect. These things were purchased for us for free. I mean, they were purchased for a large amount, large sum, the blood of Jesus, but they come to us for free. It's not dependent. Don't slip back into this works mode where we're trying to earn God's favor. Now, if I did, I knew if I did something right, I knew this would, uh, you know, that, that would change for me. Not about that. All right. There's a great temptation in the flesh to make things happen by our own might. But if we're not resting, we're in the flesh. And we're not walking by faith. And the more we enter that rest, more and more and more, the more we enter, the more rest that we have. Let me close with these two scriptures. Psalm chapter 16 and verse 9 says, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. How is my flesh going to rest? In hope. What's that mean? Hope is a faith word that means expectation. I can rest when I can genuinely expect that God is coming through on my behalf. That God is working it out in me. When I feel like I'm uh, ill-equipped, unprepared. When I feel like I don't have enough to get the job done. I expect Him to come through for me. What does that allow me to do? (sighs) Thank you, Lord. It's all good. (laughs) It's all good. What are you going to do? The Lord's coming through for me. Amen. So you're going to do anything, though. Well, yeah, I might do something. The Lord directs me. I'll do something, but I'm not going to worry about it. Isn't it sometimes more about what we're not going to do? I'm not going to pull out my hair. I'm not going to stress. I'm not going to think, ah, what's going to happen here? No, I believe that God is faithful. So I'm expecting things to change. I'm expecting divine appointments in my life. I'm expecting to meet the people I need to meet. I'm expecting to have opportunities that I don't yet know where they are. I'm expecting finances to come. I'm expecting health and strength to increase. I'm expecting good things in my family. I'm expecting all kinds of stuff. Because I expect, I can rest. Rest. And the moment I find myself not being able to rest, I'm getting back in the flesh. And then Psalm 37, verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret. Because of him who prospers in the way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. It's an expect- and it's an expectant wait. God's moving. God's doing it. It's all going to be good. I'm going to stop striving and stop working it. Amen. Amen. Lord, I believe even right now that you are helping certain individuals. All of us but certain individuals to get over the hump. Oh, they've been really concerned about some things in their life. And I thank you that even now, the peace of God is manifesting in their heart and mind. The peace of God 
that assist them in entering into that place of rest, confidence, trust, reliance upon you. Lord, we purpose in our hearts today to believe, to believe what you've said. And we thank you that those who believe do enter into that place. We enter into that place. Say it out loud with me. I believe what the Lord says concerning my life, concerning my future, concerning His provision and His strength, His help in my life. I believe what He says and I enter His rest. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Oh, we give you praise. Glory and honor be unto your name, Lord. Lord, we're here to simply and easily receive from you. Hallelujah. Just in this place we're at right now, there are those who have specific things that they have need of from the Lord. I want you to know that receiving those things is the easiest thing in the world. Just right where you stand. Just receive it from Him. Say how? Just, just, just say it like this. Just say, Lord, I receive this from you now. I receive my whatever it is. I receive my healing. I receive my provision. I receive the answer to my prayer. These things have already been provided ahead of time. He saw ahead of time that you would be in this situation, in this circumstance, and he made a way. He made a provision. He has a storehouse of what you need, and it's available for you now. And, Lord, we just take it by faith. We receive what you've provided. We receive and we rest and we cease to struggle. We're not going to fight this thing. We believe it's done. Jesus won the battle. And, Lord, we enter into that place of receiving it by faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This morning, with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, before we finish up this service, most important thing right now. You've come to church today, but you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior.